everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. You know, to start off with, everybody who managed to stay awake throughout the entire Abu Dhabi race, raise your hand. <laughs> not I. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that there were laps 25 through 44 that I missed. Yeah, it, it was not exactly um, an enthralling race. You know, that's the way I feel every year. I think it's visually interesting, but I don't find the race to be exciting. It, it, it's not a track and it's not a layout that I think is really conducive to good racing, especially with these cars. And it's something that at the end of the race, Lewis Hamilton even mentioned in the driver's room, that it's just not a track that's great for allowing passes, for setting up good racing, for any of that stuff. And, you know, the designer that thought, ooh, I know how to make it cool, we'll add a tunnel. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think... Every year, David Cothard complains about the tunnel, and I don't think it's that big of a deal, although it almost was for poor Carlos Sainz. Well, I, the fact that he nearly took a wall because they didn't put one of his tires on his car. Yeah. Now, um, this race, uh, these races seem very familiar to that one IndyCar race that we went to that was just dull as dirt. Where the only thing that was very interesting in the whole race seemed to be when this one car spun. But they didn't bother to explain anything about that. So, other than that, it was just dull as dirt. Well, it was a minor spin. But yeah, there was nothing else that really happened. But the Formula One management, Formula One group, had a response for this. I don't know if you caught this. No. What's their response? But they responded right away with the perfect answer for a dull race. Now, if you were watching carefully during the podium ceremony, it was really hard to see. But if you were watching carefully during the podium ceremony, the champagne bottles looked a little different. Well, yeah, because it's Abu Dhabi. Isn't it rose water at Abu Dhabi? Well, typically it would be rose water, but even still, the bottles looked very different. Okay. The bottles featured something that has not been seen before, or had not been seen before, up until that point. What? The brand new Formula One logo. The oh. official Formula One logo. And after the podium ceremony, there was a video to reveal and show the new Formula One logo, to which Lewis Hamilton responded that the new logo is not iconic. It's not. It's kind of dull and boring, much like the Abu Dhabi race. Yeah, it has not exactly been met very warmly. It's supposed to, the idea behind it, um, and if you go to Formula One's website, you can see the new logo because it's, it's, they're featuring it in all their stuff now, with the exception of the little browser icon. That hasn't mm. changed yet. I noticed that when we went That over actually there. takes time to change. Did you know that? It's one of those caching <clears throat> things that does take time. Ah, well, um, it's supposed to be reminiscent of two cars fighting around a corner. So that's why it's the two lines. Is it supposed to be the path of two cars going around a corner? 
let me guess, those cars were supposed to be, and if this was going to be planned like a year ago, those two cars were going to be Hamilton and Rossburg. Well, it's generic well, cars, not specific. Well, if so. that's the case, then they probably should have intersected at some point. Yeah. No, I the, mean, that would have made a cooler logo. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, no, they, they stay apart from each other. They don't actually hit. Um, but that is what it's supposed to be reminiscent of. It's a much simpler logo because according to Sean Bratches, they needed a similar uh, or a simpler logo to make it better for digital purposes. And because the, the I guess the chevrons at the edge of the, the, the speed stakes on the old logo were hard to stitch. I don't quite understand that because, you know, Bernie Eccleston had plenty of shirts with that logo on it. So that made no sense to me, but that apparently was a motivator here. Well, I'm quite sure that Bernie had his minions hand-stitch his chevrons. It's possible. Um, you know, they probably— No machines like, here, yeah. No machines. They probably can still child labor in some illegal fashion because that's the Bernie Eccleston way. And quite frankly, you know, Sean Bratches has complicated eyebrows. Maybe he needs a simple logo to compete with his complicated eyebrows. Ouch. You've seen eyebrows, haven't you? Constantly looking surprised. Well, if this logo is supposed is so big off of that one guy's eyebrows, then how come it is just... It's bland or dull, if you will, like the Abu Dhabi race. Well, there's that. But I think that they missed an opportunity. To what? Crowdsource it? No, 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 no. They should have run it through the media machine that is Lewis Hamilton before they revealed it. (laughs) Obviously. I bet you they would have had a better logo if they had run it through the Lewis Hamilton machine. Well, the other things that go, we got some more info about the tires. More tires. Yeah, real, real quick on the tires. So, a, as I predicted last week when we first talked about it, and again, if we lose our clean rating, I blame Pirelli for it. But the super hard tire is what was supposed to be the hard tire this year. And Pirelli has said that the whole point of having this tire is it is an insurance policy. This idea, knowing that they were going softer with the tires, the way Mario Azola described it is, like we talked about last week, the cars that start the year in terms of downforce and performance is very different from the cars that end the year, where the downforce is higher because they've, they've modified the cars and they've upgraded the engine and the performance is so much better. So really they're designing these tires for what they anticipate to be peak performance towards the end of the season and not the beginning of the season. So, yes, they've made the tire softer, but there is Pirelli has a concern that as we get to this point in the season next year, that the performance may be too high for the softer tires, necessitating the need for the, a harder compound to be available. So that would be why the ultra-hard tire exists in its current form, which is as the hard tire this year, which we never saw. So they're not expecting to actually have to use it, but should it turn out that the tires are too soft come the end of the season, they have it available. They have a compound that they can put out there. So wait, 
Let me just make sure I understand this. They have a rock hard tire they have plans to never use. Yes, because the logic is by by having that compound available, again, should they find out that these tires are not hold the, the softer tires are not holding up, they don't need to go through the approval process, the homologation process, all of the various approvals to add a new compound. It's already approved, it's already there and ready to go for the season. But if they're trying to add this compound, what color are they going to make it? Because um, with all these different color options that they have available, they might just do make it as like a black the replace the old hard tire, make it black again, so no one can tell if it's if if it's uh, the type of tire it is. Somebody wasn't listening to the show last week. I know it's <laughs> ice blue. The rock hard tire will be ice blue. Okay. And Not plaid like I think it should be. No. And the Lewis has already driven on the uh, Super Mega Ultra, Ultra Plushy Soft Tire and said it's the best tire that, that, that Pirelli has made. I wonder if it goes to ludicrous speed. Because obviously you want ludicrous speed because light speed's too slow. He didn't listen to the show last week, but he's seen Spaceballs. Yeah. <laughs> For those who, you know, unaware and out of the loop, we do have our special guest in studio this week, the boy. So here's the deal. Um, are you done with the news or can we go to the prediction show? Because that's what this is supposed to be, the magical prediction show in which I learned that I was completely off base for the entire season. This is the whole reason why I'm here. It is. So, yes, I have the predictions up. I have um, not just our predictions, but Phil was nice enough to add in the comments uh, after we did the prediction show at the start of the season, his own predictions. And, and he missed one of the predictions. He, did, um, he didn't give us an answer for, but I've got his answers as well. So if we'll see how... he does better se- than we did, I'm a little afraid that we're going to have to start looping him into our podcast. Because, <laughs> you know, he hasn't been watching Formula One as long as we have, and we admit that we're newbies. So. Um, well, well, we'll total it up and we'll see. All right. I have my pencil and my piece of paper for totaling here. Okay. Um, what do you start from the beginning? What? Well, of course, the first question was the big question. Who will win the driver's championship? And who said what? Phil and I both said Lewis. I remember that I said Vettel. Yep. And you said Max. Wow, I was wrong. Oh, yeah, by, like, a lot. Okay. Okay. I freely admit, I was trying to, like, push the edge of the predictions this time. In fact, out of the five drivers that won races, Verstappen was um, in fourth out of the most well, amount of races. Don't, don't jump ahead. Okay? So the next question was, who will win the Constructors' Championship? And we were unanimous across the board with Mercedes. So everyone got it, got that one. So after that was, who will win more races, Valtteri Bottas or Max Verstappen? The answer is Valtteri Bottas with three and Max Verstappen with two. Now, Phil didn't answer this question. Okay. Um, however, Trisha said Max. 
And David and I both said Valtteri. Not looking good for me, is it? Well, we're early. Um, okay, next question. Will Kimmy retire at the end of the year? And we all said we darn hope so. No, it was not unanimous. Okay. The two of us both said yes. David and Phil both said no. Boy got it. Phil got it. Okay. Well, that's because Kimmy needs to stay in the race. With all the funny se- things that he says on the radio, it makes the internet go crazy with new memes. So, after that was, which team would do worse? McLaren or Sauber? Well, the right answer is Sauber. And I said McLaren. <laughs> Everybody, Everybody else said Sauber. I said McLaren. Okay. Um, next question was, will Fernando retire at the end of the year? He did not. He did not, and I said he would. And everybody else said, said he would? Said he wouldn't. <laughs> you thought that Fernando, the engine supplier uh, for McLaren, would drive Fernando out of the I car. think if McLaren didn't drop Honda, Fernando would have walked. I think that's the only thing that kept him with the team. And that surprises me because he said that if McLaren isn't winning by, like, the end of September, he would leave. Fernando says a lot of things he doesn't mean. Okay, so the next one. Who will win more races, Max Verstappen or Daniel Ricciardo? Okay, so the right answer is Max Verstappen with two and Ricardo won one. And Phil and I both said Ricardo. So I need to take a moment here and say <laughs> that the boy is currently in the lead. Hey! Okay. We're not done yet. I'm still tallying. So then the next question. Who will score more points? Pascal Verline, Esteban Ocon, or Lance Stroll? So I think the answer is Ocon. It sure is. Um, Where is Lance Stroll had 40 points. Esteban Ocon had 87 points. And Pascal Verline had five points. So 87, it's Ocon. Who mm-hmm. said Ocon? I did. Go you. Um, Trisha said Lance. And David and Phil said Pascal. I said it because I thought that Verline had more experience because he had, like, the full year. We understand. Doesn't make you less wrong. (laughs) At least you understand. Yes. Will Sebastian Vettel leave Ferrari at the end of the year? Okay, so he did not. He's a red man through and through. And Patricia and Phil both said he would. Will Valtteri Bottas get a contract extension at Mercedes? Which one of us said he didn't? Patricia, David, and Phil. Said he would not. And I said he would. Okay. 
This one I got to count as a draw because I'm not sure we can really rule either way on. Will Lance Stroll be the new Pastor Maldonado? He sure started strong that way. He did. Um, He stopped having wrecks. Performance-wise, I still think he's not there, but I don't think we could really rule either way on that one. I I would call the question a a wash. I think that's going to be a a wash. Um, David and I both said yes. Trisha and Phil said no, but I think nobody gets points for this. Okay. Sounds good to me. You only say that because you're still leading by one point. Doesn't matter. Remember that. Who will end the season higher, Force India or Renault? Ooh, that was a tough, tough battle. Um, actually, no, not really. Oh, Renault to Force India. It was Toro Rosso and Renault that were yeah. At the very end. Force India ended the season with 187 points, and Renault ended with just 57. Okay, so who voted for Force India? Um, Trisha and David. Phil and Dad. Mm. So the last one, and there's no points for the last question, but we've got to talk about it. What the big story of the, what we predicted the big story of the year would be. Okay. Okay. I'm going to end with Phil's. And there's a reason why I'm going to end with Phil's. Um, so mine was that Bernie uh, was turned down by Vladimir Putin to overthrow liberty. Okay. Um, David's was that Lewis would leave Mercedes. Um, and Trisha's was liberty's detonation of the fan experience. <laughs> hey, I think I actually got that right. <laughs> yeah, from from the perspective of nobody exactly knows what that means. But they detonated it. So the reason why I wanted to call out Phil's last was because to me, it, it's a sign that we've rubbed off on Phil. Oh, no. Because we, I have to point out the fact that Phil wasn't an F1 fan until it was only his dedication to listening to us podcasts that made him an F1 fan. And the fact that he would come up with this as his story, this is something that we would definitely have thrown out there. Mm-hmm. So what Phil's headline, what Phil's big story of the year, what his prediction was, was that Bernie will kidnap Chase Carey's mother-in-law and demand to be put back in charge of F1 as a ransom. <laughs> Yes, Phil. I think you won the prediction for, you know, if any of these things happen. (laughs) Um, Okay, so um, our big winner in the prediction game is the boy. Oh, man. I think he won last year, too, by like a point. No, this year he won by two points (sighs) over the second place person, you. Okay. Phil and I brought up the, the rear <laughs> of this plan. <laughs> I don't know. When, when we were in that, that middle section there and, and talking about um, who was going to, you know, which team was going to do worse, I thought I was in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was going down there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no. My out there prediction, I mean, I would have held my own had I gone with my gut of saying that Lewis will win all championships. Um, But I did not expect Max to implode this year as Max did. I don't think it was so much as Max imploding as um, Renault falling apart. See, also possible. Because I think he would have done... Well, there were two things. One was um, Red Bull knew that development-wise they were behind going into this season. Mm -hmm. And it took them a while for them to catch up development-wise with the car. But the other was Max had a lot of DNFs due to engine issues and due to reliability problems. And I, I think he would have ended up further. I don't think he would have contested for the championship but I think he would have ended up further up if he didn't have so many engine problems. Well, I think you're right there. Um, some big stories that we did not predict this year. I kind of want to go through a few of those. Mm-hmm. We had two drivers that started the season that did not finish the season. Yeah, and I wouldn't have really expected either of them to I, – I figured they'd finish the season, and I wouldn't have been surprised if they didn't get contracts for – 18 but i would not have predicted the driver moves to happen mid-season not just to happen mid-season but for carlos signs to move to reno in the middle of the season yeah and and to to move to reno under quote under loan i know that still kind of baffles me one little piece of trivia that i find interesting is every driver that ran this season for the full season, had a point except for one. Had at least one point except for one. And that would be Marcus Erickson. The other three drivers that did not get points this season all did not run full seasons. Mm. So I just found that a little interesting that the only one that ran a full season with no points was Marcus Erickson. Yeah, that that's kind of impressive um what's also kind of impressive is the fact that there's a possibility that he'll retain a seat next year and pascal verline won't that also kind of amazes me since verline got there only five points mm-hmm. um and keep in mind we saw the end of jolian palmer who had eight points under the renault flag which is more than pascal and Daniel Kvyat. Well, Kvyat had his own issues. Yeah. But um, I don't think that Renault has been particularly happy with Jolien at all. Um, and I honestly think that the only reason why they decided to keep Jolien around is because they didn't, have, they didn't feel that they had a better option. Until they borrowed Carlos Sainz. Uh, yeah. Um. So that was an, uh, the unexpected story of two drivers getting their walking papers mid-season. Um, well, who would have expected that Honda would and McLaren would actually break apart? That was the other top story that I don't think that we would have even thought of being a, a possibility was McLaren kicking Honda to the curb. And Honda going to Toro Rosso. Yeah, I really expected them to go someplace else, but not Toro Rosso. But that should be an interest. That should be an interesting experience next year. Hey, speaking of, of engine manufacturers and teams, 
Um, Andy Palmer over at Aston Martin this past week said that if the engine rules are approved as proposed, there is a very, very strong chance of Aston Martin formally entering the championship in 2021. He says, as it stands now with this kind of a recommendation, he would recommend to the board that they started that they enter the, the series. That's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. I would love to see an Aston on the track. All right. That's um, the predictions. Those were the top stories I thought that we completely missed that nobody would have thought of. Um, was there anything else that we want to review? Being end of the season, and, and we don't do the full retrospective, which is good because I think we've forgotten a lot of the stuff in the beginning. Is there anything... And, and I'll ask both of you this. Is there anything that really, any storyline, any event that really stuck out to you, a driver that stuck out of just in one way or the other? I think overall, I have to say I was really impressed by Esteban Ocon's move up in Force India. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he did not score as many points as his teammate Perez, but I thought he did a really good job, and he was impressive on the track this year. The the fact that he outscored folks like Nico Hulkenberg and Massa and even Grosjean, um, I think really impressive. I mean, it would be nice to be able to say that it was impressive that he outscored Fernando Alonso, he, you know, two-time world champion. He but did. But and he did. The problem is it's really hard to say that when, quite frankly, Fernando jogging could have done better than his car <laughs> did this past year. Um, so Ocon really impressed me. I mean, I think that we had drama this year that we haven't had in a few years, the passing, the races back and forth at the beginning. A Ferrari sort of imploding towards the end of the season was neither surprising nor kind of unexpected. But, but disappointing because it looked like they were about to prove us wrong. Right. And I think that the crash in Singapore was probably the most dramatic thing that happened the whole year. It was completely unexpected and, turn, you know, event turning. The fact that Mercedes won the Singapore Grand Prix, also a big deal. But when I start looking beyond the top tier and look down the pack and say, who's my up and comers? I would say you got to watch the man in pink and uh, watch Sebastian, uh, Esteban Ocon. I think he's got he's going some places. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see what what uh, the flying waffle does. Still, I'm um, hopeful for a flying waffle, mostly because I love his name. But his but it, it's so hard to figure that out with the McLarens next year. And that, I think, is going to be a really big thing to watch next year is what the McLarens do with that Renault engine and where they put that car. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite, most exciting story of the year? I think that, like, Ferrari imploding kind of like near the end of the year. That was something very impressive. And how like um, that whole entire crash in Singapore, that was also very unexpected. Um, but, and, but one thing that kind of caused it would be communication 
if there was some sort of like communication going on there, there was there would be a possibility that that crash would never have happened if only the communication just happened. What kind of communication? Maybe communication between Vettel and Raikkonen, because if Raikkonen didn't go on like the inside line, um, it would be possible. When Vettel went in for the move to block Ricardo, Verstappen, Verstappen. Verstappen um, I bel- he would have known he because he didn't know that Raikkonen was over there. So he, he Raikkonen went was did something unexpected, and it was because of that unexpected thing that Raikkonen did that caused the whole scenario. It's an interesting theory. I don't know if it would play out the way you think, but it's an interesting theory. Um, for me, yeah, Singapore definitely. Not just from the crash perspective, but from the perspective of that was the first ever night race that it rained at that was, in the history of the sport. That was impressive. And Singapore did keep their 100% safety car record. <laughs> yeah, that they did, which was it, which wasn't a surprise. Um, but like, as in the race, when it rains, since it doesn't rain in Singapore that often, when it rains in Singapore, it rains in Singapore. Well, getting well, the track wet at night and it wasn't drying did change things up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is. Um, the back and forth that went on for so long in the season between Lewis and Seb, um, you know, that, that we went so late into the season before we had back-to-back race winners um, and that it stayed as close as it did for as long as it did. Um, I go back and say that, again, coming out of the summer break, it was still hard to call who was going to win this championship and then three three races four races later it was pretty close to wrapped up i think that was the part that was when i look back on this year i'm gonna look back and say that that's the thing that was the most interesting one of the first years that we watched formula one was a year that they went like 12 races into the season with 12 winners eight uh, but yeah okay <laughs> eight 12 they're just numbers um <laughs> But they went far into the season, and we had a different winner every week. And yeah. that was exciting in its own right, because it really did give that feeling that anything is possible. This was, we knew who those top two were, and they were trading wins. Then we'd have a random, like, we could Botas win a race. He had never won a race before. Um, and that was exciting. And what amazes me is that we went into the summer break, and at one point Vettel was up by 40 points in the season yeah and all of a sudden two dnfs and it became mathematically possible but that's what we started calling it it was mathematically possible but not highly likely that he was going to win the championship and it was two dnfs and mind you they were back-to-back dnfs and it's hard to come back from but those that was interesting it was how fast the season turned and it wasn't a dominating season like the previous years where it was mercedes one two one two one two it wasn't that it was how fast the season turned it wasn't a dominating season but a lot has been talked about 
post-race in Abu Dhabi over how much Mercedes actually did dominate that race. Lewis was something like 20 or it was 19 and a half seconds ahead of Seb at the end of that race. I know. That was impressive. I mean, they had pushed it at one point that both Botas and Lewis could do their pit stops and not have to go back through traffic. Yeah. That was pretty impressive. And you got to say this one thing about my dear Finn Valtteri. He has got ice in his veins. <laughs> I mean, that is one cool, collected guy. He dominated that race. He led every lap of that race. Yeah, you know, as much as folks have called Kimi Raikkonen the Iceman, um, the reality is, um, in terms of emotion... Valtteri can be a whole lot cooler and a whole lot calmer and a whole lot more monotone. I mean, if you really listen closely, you can tell when Valtteri's gotten emotion, but he's so much cooler and quieter and calmer than a Kimi Raikkonen. Unlike a Sebastian Vettel. Especially an angry Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, angry we, Sebastian is uh, colorful, at we, least. We certainly once again saw that, that Sebastian still has some, some anger management issues. Yeah. He's getting it under control. He did better with that over the, the back half of the season, which is good because he needed more of it. Mm-hmm. But back to Valtteri, one thing I want to say, and I think this goes to my theory of the reason Kemi is so few words as that his English is not great at all, is I think Valtteri's English is a whole lot better. He, yeah. he speaks well. He doesn't have the marbles in his mouth, and he speaks very well. But he is... I don't. I, I wouldn't say he's monotone, but you just get that sense that nothing's gonna phase him much. He's he's his highest high and his lowest low is just not that different from each other. <laughs> um, and I kind of dig that about him, where Kimmy kind of comes off as aloof, a little bit of a party boy, and not really there. Yeah. And I not think, necessarily sober. Not necessarily sober, and I think that. That's why I think there's more ice in Valtteri's veins. And, you know, unfortunately, I have a sense that Valtteri is going to fall into the Massa slot, into the second fiddle. He's outstanding as a number two, but is he going to die in Lewis's shadows? There is that possibility, and I think next year is going to be very telling with Valtteri in his career. And it's also completely possible they might pull Sergio Perez and not be able to cope with all the pressure that comes with being a Mercedes driver. And uh, I, I don't know about that because, because of the fact that he did as well as he did the first half of the season, he got the contract renewal, he won, he won the last race of the season. I don't think that's a danger. Um, if he had performed like he did on the back half of the season at the beginning of the season be a different story. But I, I think he's shown that he's got the talent and he can handle the pressure. Um, he just had a couple of off weeks. So I, I don't think that that's a risk. And I think that finishing, the way he finished the season, I think he did very well. Yeah. So last question I have for you before, before we wrap up, and I point out one other thing for folks to take a look at, is – 
overall your your thoughts on this, on the season from a scale of one to ten, with one being just totally awful to ten being spectacular, um, riveted every race, loved it all, you know, great racing all the way through. How would you rate the season? I'd give it a solid six. Okay. I would give it a nine. I was thinking about a seven. I mean, it was pretty good. Um, even though the championship was decided fairly early and didn't make it all the way through to the end like we thought it was, I th- think it was still a pretty good season, and the racing was a whole lot better than I expected it to be. I figured the racing was going to be kind of crummy because they made the cars wider and they didn't address the passing issues. Well, that's, I think, the reason why I rated it a little bit lower than you. I found that there were on the average a little bit more boring races we had exciting moments and then a race would go boring and that's not i mean there was just if 10 is riveted throughout every race for the entire season i can't give it a 10 was i riveted in certain spots yeah but i couldn't even tell you that i was riveted for an entire race not like i was that first year that Mercedes had Lewis moved to Mercedes and we had that first battle with Lewis and Rossberg and remember the 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 Malaysia Malaysia and then passing it back and forth and there was it was Malaysia there was a Bahrain race that we still hold up as being Bahrain's normally a boring race and that one was amazing yeah um those that stuff is what I'm missing this year now, we had some great racing in the mid-pack. Um, I thought that there's some people and teams that are in that mid-pack that are actually good, scrappy teams. And I think that's where the some of the excitement was. But I still want to see excitement at the front end. Yeah. There was some excitement in the front end with this Vettel versus Hamilton rivalry. And it... Can with that rivalry, it kind of brought me to the edge of my seat at certain points. Yeah, but we really didn't get a whole lot of head-to-head battles between the two of them. Um, a lot of times it was one running off with a lead and leaving the other behind. There were a couple of moments, but not too many. Not as many as we hoped that we'd see. But it was it was interesting. Now, the one thing I do want to point out is the only thing that was really cool about the Abu Dhabi race was we finally got to see Botas and Hamilton fighting each other on a fairly level playing field. Yeah. Um, and, yes, I know it's a hard track to pass, so it's kind of hard to, to put that together. And, okay, so my guy was the loser of the two. But... Yeah, I wouldn't read too much into that. I, and that, that's the, kind of the point of what I'm trying to go for. But... Remember how we always said that when Lewis and Rosberg raced each other, Rosberg tended to blink? Mm-hmm. Valtteri didn't blink. No, he didn't. And I think he's going to be a good partner to Lewis as we go through the upcoming seasons. So I'm hopeful for 2018. I'm excited for testing. Can we start counting down to testing yet? We are just over 100 days to testing, I believe. Or is it just under, just over... A hundred days to Melbourne, one of the two. Uh well, Melbourne's going to be in March, and we could be almost a hundred days to Melbourne. Um, we're going to have to get a countdown going here shortly because 
season's over and I'm ready for racing again. So with the season over, the last thing I have to point out, um, you know, Abu Dhabi was the very last race for the folks over at NBC Sports. And as much as we beat up on NBC Sports and, and don't particularly like the coverage, I do have to call out the final moments of their broadcast this year because it really was a very well done and very fitting tribute to their time with Formula One and a great sign-off. Um, if you haven't seen the video, it's about eight minutes long. It's over on NBC Sports' website. Go check it out. Um, it, it's certainly worth the time, and it sounds like, from listening to the way they were talking, that this is David Hobbs's retirement, and that he, no matter what happens with coverage in anywhere, he is officially done. And I think that that's a direct result of listening to our podcast, that we have told him that it's time for him to go drink some more gin and tonics <laughs> and um, a little less sports casting. Well, it was kind of obvious because he would be talking during parts where you want to focus on the race. You know, you'll be talking about things that you didn't really want to care about at the time. Yes, like his gin and tonic habit. <laughs> anyway, so I'm anxious to see what ESPN is going to do, um, so even though it won't be on the Ocho. Um, there are some rumors that ESPN will not feature commentators and a broadcast team but they will be using whatever the world feed provides now my thought is knowing the world feed and how much that they draw on the sky sports folks that that may be the commentary we get during the race which might not actually be that bad that wouldn't be bad if we can if there's a partnership and we can get some sky sports coverage or something like that um but in the coming months, we should hear the Sauber team be announced. We should find out who is taking the mystery seat over at Williams. Mm -hmm. um, I think every other seat is already settled and determined within the Formula One grid. Um, and, then of course, we will have to be watching to see whether we will have a Alpha or an Aston or any other new makers in the space, but it won't be Ford. Well, we will have Aston. Because if you recall, Aston will be the title sponsor for Red Bull next year. Ah, so right. there will be Aston on the grid next year. So I think that we're going to have some excitement next year. But uh, until then, we'll just leave you with some of this. How much faster is the fastest lap? <laughs> Too fast. Well, Nikki, I'm sure you enjoyed watching that lap. That was uh, some driving from Lewis there. Did, did you think Ferrari had you? Yeah, I, I made a bet with uh, totally the 10 euros on Vettel because he really looked quick at the car, everything was right. But Lewis, thank God, pulled out one of his special laps. So we still have potential for P4 here, Nick, as Valtteri, so just keep pushing. He was, what, 300 meters behind us on the straight? Uh, we're considering plan B. How are the tyres? Do whatever you want, man. One of those laps. Steering wheel. Lots of steering wheel, yeah. still be a lap down once steering everybody wheel. gets up to full hey. racing speed. Hey. As we heard it. Steering wheel. Somebody so tell him to give it to me. And the car's Come been fired up in the 
Jenson, Jenson, my friend, I'm sure you wanted to hear my voice before starting the race. Uh, just wishing you the best of luck. We follow you here on television. You did amazing yesterday. So, yeah, please have oh, fun, thank you. my friend, and take care of my car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to pee in your seat. No, no please. <laughs> have fun. You did amazing Cheers, yesterday. Man. Amazing job. And you, buddy. And you, buddy. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Really good job. It was good fun. Can we, can we just do one thing for the British viewers that have been desperate for this all year? Can Toto Wolf just say, Please. I'll be back. <laughs> Makes me look a bit silly, you know? <laughs> Hasta la vista, baby. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay. Whew.